First, I will read it in Korean for Old Testament. Reading is moon, uh, this morning comes from Palm chapter 15, verse 1 through 5. 여호와여 주의 장막에 머무를 자 누구 오며 주의 성산에 사는 자 누구 오니까 정직하게 행하며 공의를 실천하며 그의 마음의 진실을 말하며 그의 혀로 남을 허물하지 아니하고 그의 이웃에게 악을 행하지 아니하며 그의 이웃을 비방하지 아니하며 그의 눈은 만명된 자를 멸시하며 여호와를 두려워하는 자들을 존대하며 그의 마음에 서운한 것을 해로울지라도 변하지 아니하며 이자를 받으려고 돈을 구워주지 아니하며 뇌물을 받고 무죄한 자를 해야지 아니하는 자이니 이런 일을 행하는 자는 영원히 흔들리지 아니하리라. Our New Testament reading is Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 through 12. Seeing the crowds, he went up the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who wound, mourn, for there shall be comfort. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others reveal you and persecute and utter all kinds of evil against you false on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophet who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. You, you may see. Please join me in prayer as we come to the word of the Lord. Our Father in heaven, how grateful we are to you for your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you that he has spoken into this world, into us, and you have left to us a word that shapes us and changes us, Lord, and a word that is eternal. As you remind us that the flower fades, the grass withers, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Help us now to hear you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. After Stephen Hawking's death, CNBC published an article on four of his predictions. Here is one of them. Stephen Hawking theorizes that by the year 2600, humans will have turned the planet into a giant ball of fire 
due to overcrowding and energy consumption, which shall make the earth uninhabitable. As a result, humans will need to go to live on another planet. Humans will need to colonize another planet within 100 years or face extinction. Now, Hawking and Elon Musk agree, as back in 2015, Newsweek wrote this about Musk and leaving the planet. They're right, the world sucks right now. I know, you wonder if that can be said from the pulpit. <laughs> Terrorism, climate change, political acrimony, nonstop Justin Bieber songs. It's nice to know Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos have a plan. They will help the richest people in the world go to Mars and start over, leaving the other 99% to suffer on a dying, warring planet. The only solace for those of us left here will be that the Biebs should be prosperous enough to go with them. <laughs> this is the unspoken flip side of Musk's SpaceX and Bezos' Blue Origin. The space travel companies say they are creating a way for the human species to endure by populating other planets. But the bottom line is that only the wealthy will have the means to move to Mars. Musk's target ticket price is $500,000 a person in 2015 dollars, and that's just to get there. Yeah, so Hawking and, and, and Musk and others are, are expecting an extinction event to happen if, if humans stay on Earth. And in their assessment, the world, the world has a problem, and it's you and me, it's people. And there are some who listen to them and are, 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 who say that to save the planet, humans need to stop reproducing. Now, now these men speak and a lot of people listen to them. They're like E.F. Hutton, remember those commercials? When E.F. Hutton speaks, everybody listens. But what happens when Jesus opens his mouth. See, the title of our message today is, He Opened His Mouth and Taught Them. Now, E.F. Hutton is gone. It has something to do with 2,500 or 2,000-plus counts of fraud, but no one's listening to him any longer. See, Jesus, on the other hand, preached this Sermon on the Mount over 2,000 years ago, and it's still causing people to listen. His people need to hear it today. The nations need to hear it today. The world needs to hear Jesus open his mouth and teach them today. Particularly when we think of the matter of fallen people on a planet subjected to futility. Where does the help come from? Is it from this world or outside of it? So the psalmist in chapter 15 in verse 1, he's, he asks something similar, and, and he, he, but he puts it this way. Now, this is a foster paraphrase that you're about to hear, but here's, here's what he's saying. God, someone who lives outside of this world and, and who uh, could, could visit at any moment whenever he pleases, who gets to live with you in your home continually? Who can take up residence on your holy hill? And see, Jesus, he opens his mouth and he teaches his people 
the answer to these questions on, in the Sermon on the Mount. Because Jesus opened his mouth and taught his people in this world about changing them while they are in the world as he brings worlds together. So this is point number one. Jesus opened his mouth and taught his people in the world. Seeing the crowds, verse 1 says, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. So you see, Jesus gathers his disciples on a mountain to teach them. The world is changing, and what he's about to teach is life and world changing. But notice first that Jesus went up the mountain and sat down. So Jewish teachers would often sit down with their disciples sitting at their feet and their disciples are there to learn. On the mountain, this is reminiscent of, of Mount Sinai where Moses received the law. But here, Jesus is telling them what life in his kingdom is like. And those he calls are there to listen to what life with him in this world is like. Now, Notice, too, that this is not a challenge to do these things so you might live in the kingdom. No, but just like the giving of the law, where the first thing announced is about the deliverance that was brought to them out of slavery in Egypt, here the teaching is on the hills of the message, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, Matthew 4.17. You see, the disciples are those who have repented. And now you repent it, what next? So the disciples, they are those who are, they've heard the call. They have followed Jesus up the mountain to sit at his feet, to hear his teachings. The, the people whom the Lord calls, they hear his voice. They follow him up the mountain. And so they might hear the word of life, to hear his teachings, to, to hear the word of life in the world in, that they, in which they live. And the word is blessed. It's the first thing Jesus says to them. Blessed. Blessed. See, only Jesus can pronounce his people as blessed. Blessed defined as a, a state of well-being and, and wholeness in relationship to God. So do you hear him when he says blessed? Do you hear what, his, what he is teaching? Because Jesus, he opened his mouth and he taught them that they are blessed. Blessed is what Christ's people are. See, and that's what you learn when you sit at Jesus' feet. See, if you're his disciple, are you his disciple? Are you hearing then what he is teaching? He says that you are blessed. And what his pronouncement of blessing teaches them is about changing them while they are in the world. Look at verses 3 through 10. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Do you hear the, the transformation? Do you hear the change that, that's happening there in Christ's teaching? The blessing is what changes them while they're in the world. 
If blessed is a state of well-being and wholeness in relationship to God, then that state is unalterable for his disciples. So their condition, their character, and the company that they find themselves in, everything changes for them because Christ taught they are blessed. And this is how you see the blessing. It's, it starts when you stop thinking that the Sermon on the Mount and its blessings are something you achieve and earn, but it's something that God is given. The Gospel Transformation Commentary says this about what Jesus taught. The sermon is not an instruction manual for writing, for winning God's favor. Rather, it describes how God wants those to live who have already been transformed by his grace because they have understood their weakness and need for his mercy. The poor in spirit, verse 3, are those who know that they, as sinners, do not have the spiritual resources necessary to carry out God's demand. Those who mourn and who hunger and thirst for righteousness, verses 4 and 6, have experienced the disaster that disobedience to God has brought to the world because they understand their position of weakness before God. The meek, verse 5, have a humility that translates into treating others with kindness. The merciful are those who understand their own need for God's mercy, verse 7. You see, Christ is teaching that he changes his people as he changes the world. Because the world can still be merciless, right? It's still merciful. But you can be merciful. The world is filled with impurity, but your heart is set on seeing God. The world is filled with disputes and, and fights within families and, and neighborhoods and cities and, and states and, and nations. But since you are in paternity with God, with the God of peace, you are enjoined to be a peacemaker. So do you see? If you are blessed, having this state of well-being and wholeness with God in God... Is there anything in this world that can change you? No. No. You are ready to change the world along with Christ. This is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You see, we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven living in a foreign land. And we live at the kingdom's expense. See, nothing, nothing can move you since everything and everyone that Christ has called blessed is unalterably blessed. You see, so if the government defaults in its promised entitlements, you haven't lost what really counts. You have the kingdom of heaven and earth is your inheritance in Christ. See, if today, if they, if they outlaw Christianity and tell you it's unconstitutional and that, that you can't hold those truths of the, of, of the Bible any longer, that's okay. You are in good company. For Jesus Christ was crucified as a criminal, an insurrectionist, but he rose from the dead. Don't let your heart be troubled. Jesus said, great is your reward in heaven. See, no matter what happens, the state of well-being and relationship with God will never change. We are blessed 
in the city. This is a song. I won't sing it, but it's a great song. We're blessed in the city. We're blessed in the fields. We're blessed when we come and when we go. Yeah, yeah. So that's a take on Deuteronomy 28. But the blessing, this blessing is how Christ changes us while we are in the world as he brings worlds together. Look at verses 10 through 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So, so there are different worlds in the text here. The world we live in, the kingdom of heaven that is near, and the renewed earth that is to be inherited. So when Jesus opened his mouth and taught them, he's showing not what the world will, will look like in some distant future, but what his followers go through now. Since he has brought worlds, the worlds together. And you might ask, where in the passage do you see Jesus bringing the worlds together? Well, it's in verse 10 and, and verse 11. Actually, it's all through, it's all through the, there. But, but, when you, but when he says this, when he says that, that you are blessed when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. At that point, he has made the worlds collide. So then he says in verse 11 that you are blessed when others revile you. They persecute you and utter all kinds of false evil against you falsely on my account. He brings the worlds together. He brings the world together. You might ask, well, so he might, how, does, how does he bring the worlds together? Well, it's on his account. It's on his account. We have righteousness for which the world persecutes us. It's on his account with the communion shows us. You might ask, well, what, what's on his account? So, so when the Bible talks about the righteous, when you, and you read this in the Old Testament, you know, as we did in Psalm 15 about the blameless walk and they're walking upright, they do everything right. The righteous person is someone who will do what is right even if it's to their own hurt. That's what Psalm 15:4, the latter half of the verse says, right? But he who honors those who fear the Lord, who swears to his own hurt and does not change. Jesus, to save us, swears to his own hurt. Death on the cross, and he does not change. Hallelujah. The, co the communion is, is a promise. It's a covenant wherein Jesus, to his own hurt, has brought us to dwell with God. And you see, it's all theory. It's all talk until Jesus comes and, that, and he answers Psalm 15, 1. He answers the question, oh Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? The answer, everyone whose faith is in Jesus Christ. While on the cross, see, see Jesus, Jesus lived the Beatitudes. You and I fail. Yeah, and if you read the Beatitudes, you're like, who can keep that? You know, well, Jesus did. Because see, while on the cross, he mourned. He suffered poverty of spirit, being forsaken by God. While on the cross, he mourned for comfort, but he received bitter gall. 
He went to the cross because he hungered and thirsted for righteousness to be brought into our lives. In the midst, in the most extremes of mercy, the most extreme act of mercy to his own harm, he died on the cross so that mercy could be given to us. On the cross, he who was pure, he knew no sin, became sin for us so that we might be made pure in the hope of seeing God. And everyone, the scripture tells us, who has this hope purifies himself. See, Jesus, who is the Son of God, Colossians 1.20, reconciles to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace how? by the blood of his cross. Do you see how the help we need comes from outside of ourselves? Salvation is not in leaving the planet, it's in Christ coming from heaven to heal us and heal the planet. You see, other people have, have, have ideas about aliens outside of us coming to help us heal. Listen, listen to Stephen Hawking again at the announcement of his Breakthrough Listen project. If you haven't read about this, you know, this, his, this project was, they were trying to, to listen and communicate with distant galaxies. But here's what, here's what he had to say. He said this, we don't know much about aliens, but we know about humans. If you look at history, Contact between humans and less intelligent organisms have often been disastrous from their point of view. And encounters between civilizations with advanced versus primitive technologies have gone badly for the less advanced. A civilization reading one of our messages could be billions of years ahead of us. If so, they will be vastly more powerful and may not see us as any more valuable than we see bacteria. Do you have some Purex? <laughs> Aren't you glad that Christ, who is far more advanced in righteousness than we are, who Christ, who, yeah, billions of years, he's eternal. Yeah. Aren't you glad that Christ thought you and I to be of much more value than bacteria? But see, those folks, though, who think that the problem with the planet is humans, they're not too far off the mark. You see, the, the planet has a problem because we have a problem. The planet has no quarrel with its maker, but humanity does. And the planet knows this. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 8. Verses 19 to 23. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies." You see, the planet groans, longing for us to be liberated so that, so that it too might become and do all that the creator designed it to do. 
And see, the earth, the earth is blessed to yield to Jesus and his church. Because the earth knows what we should learn from Jesus and, and what the Lord's Supper teaches us, that Jesus brings worlds together. The earth gave the wood of its tree for the cross of its creator. It's grain given to make the bread to symbolize his body, the bread of heaven. The fruit of its vines, it yields to fill the cup of salvation, the symbol of the maker's blood. See, the earth knows that at the table of our Lord, if your faith is in Jesus, your quarrel with your maker has ended. Hallelujah. 